Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, offensive line. As I mentioned, I think a lot of people watch that game. They see it. They're like, oh, Joe Burrow needs protection. The offensive line is still really bad. If you're not a casual, because we've watched plenty of that offensive line play in Cincinnati in the last two weeks, offensive line has looked a little better. What did the tape show? Offensive line was, uh, I want to say, pretty good. Um, um, I think my favorite performance maybe of the year is what Jonah Williams was able to do. So first, it comes with the results. He shuts out Adafi Owe and doesn't give up a quarterback hit, doesn't give up a sack, and doesn't give up a pressure. It's like a perfect game as an offensive lineman in pass protection. Gets a 80-plus whatever from PFF. I know people care a, a lot about that. But when you watch the process as well, he got injured. <laughs> he had the limp off of the field in, I think, the first or second quarter. It was early in the game. It might have been the second quarter. But he has to limp off of the field. He's laying on the ground. I was just praying it wasn't like uh, a season ender. Instead, he comes back. I think the next drive, that one got down the field. Uh, let's see, there was whatever. It doesn't matter. That I think it's the next drive. He's in there. And it's just such an inspired effort to still be able to be able to pitch this shutout. He had a great game going. He gets hurt. He comes back in. And he just looks as good as he did before he left. And I know that knee is probably in pain. So he's probably in pain, but he's fighting through it. And he's pitching a shutout. I loved it. And he leveled this one guy on a pass on a pass protection rep. I love that too. His guy leaves and he sees Volson blocking guy one-on-one. And he goes, that slab of ribs look nice. <laughs> he just takes it out. I absolutely love it. But but I mean if you honestly if you look at the last couple weeks, you go to Sunday night football, you go you go to Thursday night football, the the mini buy, then they come back and just kind of getting into the swing of things. We've talked about it on this podcast. We had Duke Meaniweather on after week one and he said 
right around week five, week six, they're hitting into week six right now. And and maybe it did just take a little time for this offensive lineman. We talked about Lyle Collins and maybe that back injury is something that he'll just play with the rest of the season. The Bengals are doing exactly what we thought they would do. He's going to get Wednesday vet days off and um, be questionable probably throughout the week, but more than likely always go when they kick off on Sundays. So any other things that really stood out about this offensive line? Mention him, Lyle Collins. Um, this is the best game he played. He, every game before this, he would fall on the ground like 75% of the time. I don't know if it was the back, just like blocking, blocking, ah, my back. <laughs> just fall down. He also was diving a little bit, just like, I know I can't sustain this. So I'm just going to give this last effort, dive out and push this guy. Instead, he's able to stay upright. He's able to block well. He gave up a sack, but he isn't where he needs to be, but he doesn't look like a liability if that makes sense. Like he didn't look like a liability in the game against the Ravens. He wasn't getting beat repeatedly like he was against Micah Parsons or even what Jacob Martin did to him. I know Martin didn't get a sack, but Jacob Martin was able to beat him repeatedly on that side to the point where it's like, we got to send chip help to Lyle because he's not moving well enough to block this guy against uh, Jason Pierre Paul, who I thought was pretty good last year and was fine. He got a sack pretty good in this game. I, I don't think this was uh, just, you know, a guy with no gas left in the tank. Like he came in and he looked pretty good. Not great, not pro bowl, but like a solid starting edge rusher, or at least a starting level one. And he did pretty well other than the sack. Like I know he gives up the sack and he gives up. Uh, it happens. He's just, he's still not hundred percent, but I would say if he was like at 60% before he's more at like 75 now. And it just looks like, the back isn't as much of an issue. He's a little bit quicker. He's not falling down and he's able to hold his blocks. So it was the best game he had. It was the best game Jonah had. Two guys that I know are getting hammered. They were even getting hammered on this podcast a little bit, at least early in the season. Yeah. About you need these guys to play better. They played better and they were not the issue with the offense. So, and I think the run game is helping Collins a lot because this is what he does well. Yeah, you're just talking about Jonah Williams. Uh, when he left, I thought when he was on the ground, I'm like, no, no, because we have hammered Jonah Williams because you expect more out of him at left tackle. And he was struggling early, but seems to be bouncing back just a little bit. Right now, he's dealing with an MCL sprain, and that's different for everybody. And nobody really knows how it's going to react throughout the week. If he's going to be good to go on Sunday, as of now, Zach Taylor did talk to the media on Monday, said he's day to day. I don't expect him to practice much this week, but again, we'll get the injury report when we're back on the podcast on Thursday. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say overall, if you've watched enough Bengals football and the protection for Joe Burrow, this offensive line deserves some credit right now. They deserve credit. This is the best performance uh, an offensive line unit has probably had for Burrow in quite some time. So, And they were able to get to some of these intermediate type stuff. It wasn't always there, but it's not like Burrow would drop back five steps and then there'd be pressure he had to avoid once in a while. But that just that's just the you know, it's not the Great Wall of Dallas. It is still just a pretty good to, you know, at least, I don't know, average, above average offensive line, whatever you want to think of. I'd say a, a good performance from them. And um, I don't know. I, they're not getting enough credit for moving guys in the run game. They did a good job there. Even on the plays that didn't work, it would be because my guy, Stanley Morgan, uh, wasn't able to crack block Odafe Owe, which is a tall task. First of all, let's get that out of the way. 
But yeah, like it, it would be like a wide receiver or a tight end missed a block or couldn't hold up. It wasn't the offensive line as much. There were still plays, but you know, it wasn't them. It wasn't, I've talked about, I think this offensive line early in the year, they would just completely whiff or they'd miss assignments on these blocks. And I do think of what Duke said, where it's six weeks or so. And we're thinking we've been seeing this incremental growth. So it's getting to a point where we thought they might be when we were talking about them on paper. Collins still isn't there, but the rest of it, I think, is about there. And the communication's better. Everything's better. I just think they deserve credit. I don't know. I They play well. We have to treat them with respect because when they don't play well, I know they hear about it. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus they do. And and like I said, I think a lot of people watching that game earlier were like, oh, this is a terrible offensive line. You got to No, no, you, you got to watch the tape and, and credit to the offensive line, credit to uh, this unit because it is deserved. We'll move to quarterback Joe Burrow because I'm not hammering him. Joe, Joe always gives you a shot. If you have Joe Burrow in the game, you're always going to have a shot. Obviously, he leads him down the field. They score a touchdown. And uh, there was just too much time on the clock for Justin Tucker, who's a Hall of Famer. And he one of the things that, that stood out for me personally in Joe's performance, he did okay. I would say he did okay. I'll, I'll let you give your opinion in just a moment. But he throws that interception. And he said he didn't see Patrick Queen. And the thing about Patrick Queen, he's not having the best of seasons, so I'm not going to give him credit for getting the interception. I think Joe straight up threw him the ball. And a lot of people are like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing there? What did you think of Joe's performance? I thought it was fine. I, now, to explain that play, they run one of my favorite concepts, Dagger. But you have to do um, something with Dagger here, at least in the modern NFL. What it is is it's a, a – you get – a guy running down the seam or the middle of the field, whatever you want to call it, down the middle of the field, and he's going to clear out whatever's there. And you have a 15 or so yard in route on coming from outside. The Bengals uh, motion chase to do this. They motion him over, and then he runs the dig route. I think it was Hurst on the seam. Could have been somebody else, but I think it was Hurst. And what you're missing here is something underneath you need that thing underneath to hold these defenders so that Patrick Queen – and they all dropped like 15 yards on the snap. They came up a tiny bit on the run, then they turned around and ran to get behind all these concepts because they know what's coming, and there's nothing underneath to hold them there. It should be a three-level um, stretch. So you have your deep ball that usually doesn't get thrown unless there's a bust or you really like the matchup, you have a speed guy there, like if Chase was on it, maybe you look at it a little bit more. That's usually not thrown, though. That's usually the clear out 
for the dig. And the dig is usually what's thrown here. It's your first read. It's your primary read. Usually your primary read is going to work. But if the linebackers don't respect anything underneath and they all drop deep, then you've got the guy, the next guy down. So you're looking deep, middle, shallow. And they just hit the shallow because these linebackers have dropped the heck out of there. And they did that. And you, they put Mixon in the flat. And I think that's fine. But you want to have him in the middle of the field to me just because that makes it an actual one-to-one -one read where linebackers are deep. I'm going to hit him underneath. Linebacker came up. I'm going to hit it over the top. Meanwhile, the flat, maybe Burrow is thinking like, well, maybe the corner came down or maybe something. I don't know. What I think happened is he thought that the linebacker, he came up on the play. And then I think he thought the linebacker would take Mixon in the flat. And then he saw uh, Bynes a little bit too far over to the right. And he's like, let me fit this into T or not T. That's usually who's on that dig route, but it was Chase. Let me fit this into Jamar. And then as he's throwing it, it's probably like we've all done on Madden where we hit the button and let go real quick. <laughs> it's like, oh no, <laughs> type thing. Or he's already throwing it and it's too late. By the time he sees it, it's just like, an oh crap, as the ball is being released because he, the play didn't go exactly as he thought it would go pre-snap because I don't think Burrow is super comfortable with turning his back to the defense and then turning around and throwing the ball like some quarterbacks are. So Joe's going to be just fine. Wasn't what just just a bad mistake. But other than that, I mean, he he was okay. But I think some of his post game comments were like, "Look, we don't, we can't, we can't do this, or we can't do this." And and maybe that was just an instant reaction after the game, after a loss like that on Sunday Night Football. That you know, can they figure these defenses out? Can they adjust to this? Is it more than the play calling? What's going on with this offense? Why are they only putting up this many points? Can they get to 30? I think you can use last year as a comparison just a little bit because they did take it easy early on in the season, but Joe was coming off an injury that they finally let Joe cook. They let him loose and then they were able to get in the thirties. And I think this offense just needs a breakout game overall. We, we've talked about the run game. We've talked about the wide receivers. Um, you know, you still have two star receivers out there and Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase, even if T Higgins can't go, you want him out there. But if he can't go, you still have playmakers on this team, including tight end Hayden Hurst. I just feel like this offense is just lacking some of the confidence. There's far too much talent on it to be where they're at right now. Yeah, look, I, what I think is just the offense hasn't until they need to. They haven't felt comfortable with just dumping those 10 yard balls down dump down, dump down, dump down, and just take eight to 10 yards every play until they need to. They've shown they can do it because that's what they do every time at the end of games when they go get that what should be game-winning score like it was this week. But um, when it's just a normal situation in a tied game or maybe they're up, they just they want to look for that big play. And I get it because the offense feels bottled up, but when the defense is selling out to stop it, you just have to hammer them underneath until they can come up and they respect that underneath stuff. Because I'm talking about the offense being impatient. Eventually the defense is going to get impatient with, I'm tired of giving up first, giving up eight yards on first down and then giving up a first down, second down, giving up a first down on first down. Like we're moving backwards. I want to go make a play or I want to, you know, we need to move up and take away what they're hitting us with. We can't just let them keep gaining eight to 10 yards every play, which that's a huge game. Eight to 10 yards is great. That's if you think of it all as run game, that's great. Um, pass game, whatever. It's fine. But run game, that's great. So 
to me, it's just you have to make them respect everything underneath to be able to open that shot up over the top. I don't know. It's like I've talked about before where we kind of make this game sometimes way more complicated than it really is, where it's, hey, defense is going to try to sell out deep, take underneath. If they ever come up, now you can hit them. Even whether two high, one high, three high, whatever, when they come up, that's when you're able to hit them. Even when they're playing too high and stuff, this is when Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever hits these guys because the safety comes up to 10 yards and then he can't match the receiver going vertical or whatever it is. The corner's playing press even though it's too high and you're able to get behind him. The too high part isn't as important to me as it is that they are dropping the heck out of there and they are trying to limit everything deep. Look, I know two and three is not a great start. You look at the Cowboys game, you look at week one, a game that I think is more painful than all of the losses right now, and then Baltimore. But I will say this, just some inspiration. I know they lose in the AFC Championship game. The Kansas City Chiefs started last year two and three, and everybody thought they're falling apart, they're not going to be able to do it, and they still make it all the way to the AFC Championship game just to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. So go ahead. You're going to say something. And – I don't know if anybody remembers, but everybody was saying Patrick Mahomes can't figure out cover two back for the Chiefs. Guess what happened? They got it figured out. I think the Bengals will be fine. I think eventually they're going to either get the run game or the underneath game enough to get these guys to come up. So I'm pretty optimistic still about the offense, even though they have shown me not much to be that way. See, this is what we do. We'll just talk about everything, all the bad, all the good. We'll have power rankings, but we're going to always end our podcast with some positive news. If you if they start losing a lot of games, it's going to be really hard to be optimistic. But right now, two and three on the season, we are still optimistic. This is an optimistic ending to our podcast. And you have plenty online over on your Twitter page, Bengals underscore Sands. What is on all Bengals this week? I hope you guys like run game because I'm going to talk about the changes they made and the gun run game stuff that they were doing and all the package RPO type stuff. So it's a lot of interesting stuff and it's what they've actually changed in the scheme. And I think it's worth talking about. Go check it out. We will be back later this week for predictions. I'm already thinking about, am am I going to go against them? Am I taking them again? What am I going to do? I have no clue, but we'll have it all on the preview podcast later this week. Thank you. As always, for listening, downloading. It's always game day in Cincinnati.